Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Football Frenzy. What's up and welcome inside the Fantasy Football Frenzy Weekend Edition right here on FNTSY Radio. Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, got you covered over the course of the next hour. No George Curse today. Got my man, the one, the only, Mike Blewett, holding it down for me, for George today, rather. Going to spend the next couple hours discussing and breaking down some NFL offensive lines because I figured, Mike, this is the time of year where all your offensive line work is done. Yeah, I'm... uh publishing the article i gotta send it over to the one and only scott engel tomorrow got through a lot of work on that uh and we'll be able to break down exactly sort of what we're looking at i'm finalizing the rankings and doing everything uh here in the next 24 hours but uh yeah they obviously perfect timing yeah it's uh, it's obviously the thing that look we spend a lot of time talking about quarterbacks and running backs and wide receivers and tight ends and all that good stuff but it's all a function of the entire offense, and if offensive lines are looking a little bit shakier, then we will know that it may spell doom for a particular running back. Last year, you and I talked a lot about Joe Mixon. I was really worried about the Bengals' offensive line, and it kind of fell apart. And sometimes things go the other way, and the offensive lines play a lot better than anticipated. No doubt about it. So going to break into that, going to try to get through as many ball clubs as we possibly can today in our quest to find some trouble areas when you look at backfields and, like you say, offenses in general as a whole. But before we get into that, uh, don't forget Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package is live and lit for 2018. The article that Mike was referencing will be in the package, so you want to get in there now. Use the promo code ALLINCARE at checkout. Get yourself a couple dollars off all the great work they do. Take you from day one of your preparation all the way into week 17 if you go that far. So exclusive, live, and lit for 2018. Go check it out at rotoexperts.com. Do yourself a favor and use the promo code ALLINKID. All right, Mike, here we go, my man. Before we get into it, though, how have you been? Um, I'm doing all right, man. We just got off a three-hour show with Kevin Walsh. We broke down AFC West. Uh, we had a couple of guys on Jim day uh at fantasy taz on twitter nice. we talked chargers with him and they had maurice moton on he's a raiders beat writer from at nfl spin zone on twitter he's at mo moton m-o-e-m-o-t-o-n he did a good job breaking down the raiders and their fantasy options so we talked broncos and chiefs as well but we had those two guys on specifically to talk about those two teams so basically did three hours on the afc west right now so i'm ready to go all right, well, that's good to go. How was a uh, uh, little lady doing that had the toddler fracture earlier this year? She's good. My daughter had her third birthday yesterday. Corey is referencing my daughter, Carson, had broken her leg uh, earlier this year. Just a freaky kind of thing that can happen to toddlers. Uh, and she was in a cast from her toes up to her middle of her thigh for about a month. So... She's all good. She's running around like nothing ever happened and had her third birthday party yesterday. So uh, exciting day for her. Hey, well, good job, and I'm glad you all guys are past that situation right there. I had to get the yeah. update on that, let me know. And Carton and Friends, how's that going, man? You guys are Carton. off and running. Carton and Friends so far going well, getting close to 70 episodes in. So make sure you two check that out every weekday morning. Not your typical fantasy sports talk show. Well, not a fantasy sports talk show at all. Maybe not even a sports talk show, more variety <laughs> program. So uh, yeah, we I'd get that so. done. You guys yes. cover a wide variety of topics? Yes, a variety program is I like what I like to call it all, uh, Mike. So, But, no, definitely good time. So make sure you check that out each and every weekday morning beginning at 9 a.m. East, syndicated throughout the nation uh, via Sports Byline. So, I'm. you know what, Mike, with these offensive lines, like how much do they affect, right? 
because I'll be honest with you, I just Googled some offensive line rankings and stuff like that, and I was like, the pro football focus ones came up, and they do a good job, and the content is free, actually. You know I mean? The little breakdowns, they do not as in-depth as, you know, you'll get from more pay sites like what you're working on. But their last-ranked uh, offensive line was the Houston Texans. And, you know, listen, I'm not a Lamar Miller guy. I think Deontay Foreman could be something. He would have to be healthy first. But I am really high on Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. Is the is the offensive line that poor? And also, do you think it affects that air attack? Well, it's a couple of things, right? The Pro Football Focus has them ranked as the 31st best roster in the entire NFL. That's just the entirety of the roster, which when you and I look at it, we're like, well, they have DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless and all these other guys. But last year, the manner in which they played and looking ahead to this year, Pro Football Focus is sort of out on the Texans, which is interesting because Vegas is in on the Texans. They have yes. them as minus odds to make the playoffs. Um I would actually probably fade that. I'm not sure I'm in love with the Texans either. So clearly, I am the, the Texans guy. You like maybe the Texans? You're, tell, you're maybe on board. Maybe you're telling me I'm wrong. I'm on board. Yeah. So it is interesting because they. I think they will be one of the teams battling for that final playoff spot. I think at the moment, and it could change because I think there's a, a real battle at the bottom of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, at those five and six positions in the AFC. Um, but in, in any event. Uh, pro, football, pro football focus does not look fondly upon them. I am concerned about Deshaun Watson's injury. And talking about in terms of the offensive line in general, obviously they traded away Dwayne Brown last year. They have Nick Martin, their center, who's a second-round pick from a couple of years ago. He's obviously had injuries earlier in his career. They signed Senio Calamete uh, from the Saints. They have Chantrell Henderson at right tackle, Zach Fulton at left guard, uh, Julian Davenport at left tackle. They also drafted a left tackle in Martinez Rankin in the third round this year. But top to bottom, that is not an extremely talented offensive line. There are a couple of homegrown guys, but when you see three unrestricted free agents coming in, and they are not high-profile free agents, you get a little concerned because there's three new players to the, added to the offensive line. Not to mention that none of those guys were top-flight signings. For example, Nate Solder to the Giants or Andrew Norwell to the Jaguars. Those very high-profile signings were not something that the Texans engaged in. Um, They're obviously, they have a lot of money dedicated to the defensive side of the ball and trying to angle for longer extensions for whether it's Javian Clowney or or some other guys, they need to save some money. They signed Tyron Matthew to try and shore up their defensive backfield. So, yeah, I have real questions about the Texans. They're going to be outside the top 20 in my rankings. All right. So, like I said, the running game, you don't like a part of of that. I mean, myself personally, when I look at the air attack, though, do you think maybe if the offensive line is this bad, it can create a helter-skelter nature where the Texans are playing from behind, and this way you get more air opportunities for Watson and also more targets for Hopkins? Yeah, I think. Because that works sometimes, too, for fantasy. Exactly. It, it, it can also work in two different directions, right? You get mm-hmm. worried that Deshaun Watson is under pressure all the time, but maybe it's at a point where they can't run the ball effectively at all, so they tip the scales and they start throwing the ball nearly 70% of the time. Uh, so that could work in his favor. Um, I am personally, as much as I like Deshaun Watson, I am not going to be owning him much based on where he's going in drafts. He's going too early for me relative to some of the other quarterbacks around him. So I have concerns about that as much as I like him as a player from college all the way through his sort of six-week proving ground last year. But that's just my thoughts on it, and I think the offensive line is always going to play into that somewhat. No doubt about it. So there you go right there with the Houston Texans. The running game, like I said, and I and I continue to mention, Houston is not a place to go to. You get your running game. If you want to take a shot on Foreman a little bit later on in the Foreman's draft. Foreman's going really late, by the way, just based on the Scott Fishbowl tracking really that I'm doing. He's going so late. I get that people don't like Lamar Miller, but why not just take a shot? If the offensive line does struggle a little bit, it's going to reflect poorly on Miller, and they might give Foreman a shot. That is true, too. I could, that is a situation I could see happening. Hey, how's your Scott Fishbowl going? Pretty good. Uh, I am in a little bit of a tough spot now in relation to my third quarterback. I shorted right. up early with Brady and Matt Ryan, yeah, uh, I but I'm it. searching for QB3 right now. 
Yeah, I ignored it. I think I'm gonna have to go that right on this pick right here. I just had, I asked that because I'm on the clock and I'm looking at uh, Josh Allen and AJ McCarron. Uh, I know. It's, listen, listen, don't don't listen. We're not here to judge. Not, I'm in the exact same boat. <laughs> I just literally had this conversation like two hours ago on my on the previous show on Fantasy Sports Today. I'm at a point now where I'm going to try to pick one of three teams, and I need both quarterbacks to make it work. So I either, I either need Bradford and Rosen or Darnold and McCown or Allen and McCarron. Um, I would probably go Cardinals first, Jets second, Buffalo third, but those last two are tight. Yeah, definitely, uh, and that is a tough spot to be in. But I, I was able to get off to a good start with Kirk Cousins and um. And uh, somebody else uh, felt to me pretty good, too. So if I have to get that far, it means I'm in pretty big trouble regardless to the fact. Now, with that being said, um, offensive line number 31 is the New York Jets. Another young quarterback in Sam Donald coming in. So you definitely don't want to pull offensive line for that. Uh, the running game is kind of Isaiah Crowell, Bilal Powell, who's always supposed to be a thing, but has never been a thing. You also have the young man, Elijah McGuire, who Emory Hunt likes. Let's start with the ground attack. Obviously, um, you know, Isaiah, Isaiah Crowell sent from 2017. It's going to stick with me. I'm of the liking. You know what? A dollar make you holler a little bit later on in the draft. Maybe there can be something here with Crowell because he should have the job to himself. Yeah, so we had Brian Costello from the New York Post on last week. He's a Jets beat writer. And he we went through the entirety of the roster. And he thinks... The quarterback situation is kind of up for grabs. Uh, I think the Jets are hoping that Darnold is good enough to take that job. This, this isn't a situation like we see in Cleveland where they say Baker is going to sit for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily believe them either, but the Jets are decidedly not saying that. If Sam Darnold, Darnold's good enough to take the job, he gets it right out of the gate, which means so. you're going to have a rookie quarterback uh, uh, against a shoddy offensive line. The, the upshot of Isaiah Crowell, though, is that even with all the shakiness of, of this offensive line, Brian Costello really had me thinking hard about Crowell. I ended up taking him in Scott Fishbowl because they signed him to this free agency contract. They like Elijah McGuire as a piece and Bilal Powell as a piece, but we saw last year they never gave the job to Bilal Powell. It, everybody thought at some point it might happen. They never gave it to him. And they brought Crowell in, I think, to try to be that workhorse guy as much as he can be. He had 160 carries, I believe, last year in Cleveland. You might be looking at close to 200 touches as long as he performs okay. Now, this offensive line could restrict that. But I'm using Isaiah Crowell uh, judiciously in certain drafts because I I think I can get him a little bit later. He's my RB3 behind Kamara and Deion Lewis. Uh, and if, so, it, if it fails, you don't have to require him. You know, it's, uh, roster construction plays so much of a part. You're not paying the price you were paying last year. So if right. you do happen to make a mistake, it does hit you a little bit less when it yeah. comes to the New York Jet offense. Like, you can almost look at him a little bit like a Frank Gore type. Was he sexy going into last year? No. no but nothing, the guy nothing. just kept touching the ball. He's Volume. a flex guy week in, week out. He gets you eight, somewhere between six and 12 points. And you just have to know that's what you're going to get going in. Maybe there's a few more touchdowns. Maybe it's a little bit better than that. But I don't think it'll be all that much worse. Yeah, I can agree with you on that one right there. So I think that is a player that I will have some insight on. You you think um, um, the young man, oh, is, are they going to cut Teddy Bridgewater? It's leaning that way to me. They, As we, you and I have talked about on previous shows, there's not a lot of money committed to him. I guess if he wows them, that he could find his way onto the depth chart here. But realistically, what are they going to do? Josh McCown's already in for a fair amount of money. Darnold is the guy that they're committed to long term. So what's Teddy's place? It would only be a one-year rental for him here anyway. So he might be better off finding a different opportunity. And I'm sure the Jets will hang on to him as long as they can to see if there's any other quarterback injuries where Teddy Bridgewater Teddy Bridgewater can serve as frankly what Sam Bradford did to the Vikings when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. So I think he's the guy that they'll hang on to till the very last day. And if they feel like they need to cut him and, and allow him a better opportunity, so be it. Maybe they cut him early to allow him a better opportunity. But right now, there's only three on the roster. If the Jets want to carry three, Teddy Bridgewater could be the third QB.
Okay, so sorry, uh, a little bit of a technical issue there. Corey uh, dropped out on me. So uh, I'll continue along the line of the Jets. He was talking about, we were talking about their offensive line. Uh, I'll just break that down for you. Right now you're looking at Kelvin Beecham, left tackle, uh, James Carpenter at left guard, Spencer Long at center, Brian Winters was a third-round pick all the way back in 2013, and Brandon Shell a fifth-round pick in 16. Uh, As we talked to Brian Costello last week on air, he was very concerned. He said that it's absolutely the weak link of this team. As you go across the roster, we talked about some running backs that we like. The quarterback room may not be at an elite level, but you have to like a very talented rookie and a very capable, perhaps two very capable veterans. The wide receiving core is interesting because they don't have a number one, yet they have interesting depth. Uh, Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse, Quincy Inunua, Tyrell Pryor. Nobody there is a number one wide receiver, but they're all possible twos and threes, which could give Darnold and or Josh McCown a bunch of good options. But the offensive line is the weak link. They have talent with Leonard Williams up front defensively, Darren Lee. Has struggled early in his career at middle linebacker, but they expect him to bounce back with Avery Williamson aside him. And then you have Jamal Adams and Marcus May, the two young safeties. They add the big free agent signing and Trumaine Johnson as the lockdown corner, and it all points back to the offensive line. If this offensive line is even average, they'll be able to get something done here. Challenging for a playoffs? I know they're challenging for a playoff spot, Corey, but the Jets, if the offensive line worked out, be a lot better than people expect. You go ahead. Uh, well, I'll take us to the break right now. When we come back, I do want to touch on those wide receivers. Sorry, I lost connection right quick. We'll be back on the other side of the Fantasy Football Frenzy on FNTSY Radio. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Final, well, not final segment. Fantasy football frenzy on FNTSY Radio. <laughs> Jump the gun. Pretty far from the final <laughs> segment, uh, to be honest with you, Mike. So, had a little technical difficulty last segment, but I'm good. I'm rocking with you through the rest of the sh- our show. You into a little World Cup? Yeah. Soccer. Looks like France is going to bring this one home with a 3-1 lead. Yeah, they um, scored again. I'm not, I'm not sure how much time left in regulation, but I do know they were one of the minutes. favorites. Oh, wow. Still good. Well, you know, I don't know. that. You, 30 minutes might take them 30 hours to score two more goals. <laughs> yeah. Croatia has not scored a ton of goals during the World Cup. They've won twice in penalty kicks and once in extra time, and they scored a grand total of four goals outside of the penalty kick scenarios. So uh, it's going to be uh, a bear for them to come back. I think it's amazing that they got here. Uh, but France is certainly the more talented team, and three-one uh, is a, a pretty good lead because they're gonna, as they say in the soccer world, park the bus, which means they're just gonna slow it down. They're gonna milk the clock. That's right. Take the air out the football. That's right. Just park the bus. There's the <laughs> uh, they just scored again. That was crazy goal, four to one. So it's, oh, it's over. It's a wrap. Over. It's a yeah, done deal. Was so an unbelievable goal. To France, um, well, I want to say World Series, World Cup champs. If they win the World Series, that'd be a disappointment for my New York Yankees. But I would cry foul because France does not have a team in Major League Baseball. Mike, oh, right quick, Jets wide receivers. The one I like is Quincy Enuma. Mm-hmm. You don't like none of them, huh? No, I do. I I think it's pretty interesting because of the manner in which they're going to be drafted. 
Are we looking at a Robbie Anderson suspension? How, what is Quincy Anunwa's, how, how good a shape is his neck in? You know, he missed a lot of time. It's a very serious injury, but he's back, yeah. right? So uh, he did a lot of, he was really good a couple of years ago. And then Robbie Anderson was good last year. Plus, you got your main curse and Tyrell Pryor there. That Brian Costello phrased it perfectly with us last week. He said, "We don't have it. They don't have a number one on this team, mm-hmm. but there's really good depth at the twos and threes. You know, if these guys were all number two and three wide receivers throughout the league, you'd feel pretty good about your receiving core. They just happen to all be together. Um, I'm with you on Anunwa. I, I think Tyrell Pryor is so difficult to predict. I can't even touch it unless he was my sixth wide receiver um but i think anun was interesting especially considering where they're going respectively Eight four four eight four three six eight seven nine telephone number you're listening live and you want to get involved be glad to, to have you next up 30th ranked offensive line according to pro football focus is that of the seattle seahawks pete carroll's gang one of the worst offensive lines in the league last year uh, from pro Forest for football top focus excuse me difficult for me to say says going to once again be one of the worst O-lines in the league, but our King Scott Engel will tell you that that offensive line is much improved, uh, Mike. Well, he he likes the fact that Dwayne Brown is now there for a full season. Uh, Justin that helps. Britt is, ju- yeah, Justin Britt is a capable center. He's the most expensive uh, player on their offensive line and a very capable center. Ethan Posich now is in year two. I think that shores up the left side of their line in a manner that they weren't able to do before. But Jermaine Effetti is a former first-round pick. They've tried him in a couple of different spots. He's now going to take over, at, at the moment, the right tackle position. These things can change, keep in mind. When the offensive line ranks come out, I have to end up doing a lot of, I don't call it backtracking, but you just have to, frankly, these jobs change. There's a lot of position mm-hmm. battles on offensive lines, so these things, things change throughout the course of the summer. And they signed D.J. Fluker, as a, an unrestricted free agent, DJ Fluker's bounced around the league a little bit, a former wow. high draft pick, and mm-hmm. this is his third team now. So I do think it's improved. 30th sounds low to me. I had no expectations for them last year. I think going into the year I had them ranked dead last only because there was so much unknown about them. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they're going to be down at the bottom. 30 is a little low for me, but nonetheless – I, I think it, I struggle with uh, the Rashad Penny thing. Russell Wilson really? seems to be immune to it, mm-hmm. but it, it concerns me. Now, not as much as last year. I remember a year ago, and look, I didn't get all this stuff right last year. Uh, I thought the Rams, I had them ranked pretty low, but I thought I liked the fact that they added John Sullivan and Andrew Whitworth. That was 20 years of experience, and look what happened. The offensive line was basically fixed because of that, and Gurley – was fantasy MVP. But last year, Seattle, New York, Cincinnati, those were the three teams I banged on the drum consistently. You can't get anywhere near those running games. I thought they would struggle. I happened to get those three right. Hopefully I'll do the same thing this year. But I was really worried about it. And it has me concerned about Rashad Penny. If they're the 30th-ranked offensive line, how effective can Rashad Penny be? He can't be that much of a playmaker that he's just going to counteract the fact that they're one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Now, I'll also tell you that I don't think they're 30th-ranked. I think that does help that they have three guys that they can rely on on the left side. So um, I just think Penny is going to get picked often before where I have him ranked. Interesting that you say that because one thing that could happen, Mike, if Penny happens to struggle, then because it could be because of the offensive line, maybe not even because of talent or skill. If he struggles because of the offensive line, we could see them mix Chris Carson in more, right? I'd say he's a decent late round flyer because of that. But I also wonder remember how Todd Gurley struggled two years ago because the Rams mm-hmm. offensive line was so bad? I think it's more like that than him getting benched. They could mix Curtis Carson in a little, but he's not going to take the job from him outside of an injury. I think they just keep plugging away, hope it gets better, and even if it's a year like Gurley had in 2016, I think they're going to be okay with committing to the rookie. You hope that uh, I hope that what you said is true of Russell Wilson, that he is, in fact, immune to it. He just seems because- to be. He, do, he does seem to be. And he's that, that's that helter-skelter style that I was talking about that maybe Deshaun Watson will have to pick up this year, but he has to put it on his back and do it all by himself. Russell Wilson's been doing so for a couple years now. But when you look at the pieces in the passing game, um, it, 
we all love Doug Baldwin as a true number one. No Jimmy Graham to soak up those red zone targets this year. Seattle's never had anything outside of Doug Baldwin and a yeah. tight end game. So it's kind of where you are with your level of safety on Baldwin. I think it's got to be pretty high, right? Yeah. I mean, the floor has got to be as good as it's ever been for him. Mm-hmm. I, do you have any faith? I'll throw it back to you. Do you have any faith in Brandon Marshall? No. Right. It's over. He's doing more TV than he's doing catching the <laughs> balls, and I'm not. I'm not critical of him. I think he's no. good on TV. I think he should just do TV. Yeah. But it was. A, it's a weird bounce around the league at the end of his career. I don't. I can't tell people how to earn their money. I'm sure he's getting a nicer paycheck than he would from TV right now. So keep doing right it as now. long as you can. But he's he just TV. doesn't seem to be all in yeah. on football anymore. Exactly. I agree with you 100. percent The great Bill Parcells line: If you're thinking about retirement, you're already retired. Yeah. So go ahead and, and hang title- it up. And are, are we going to run back the Tyler Lockett thing again? I think no, Tyler Lockett no. can be part of a depth chart on your fantasy team, but he's a five or a six. And he's one of the first guys cut if you do end up having to put him on your fantasy team unless he makes a couple of big plays in the first two weeks. It's always going to be somebody to pop a little bit better, more trustworthy and consistent than Lockett. Yeah, of course. Did they pick up a tight end in the offseason? They have currently Nick Vanette and Ed Dixon are who they oh, got wow. in the offseason. They drafted Will Disley in the fourth round. So it is a – I mean, the depth chart on, of the tight end position for them has seen rough times in the past before Jimmy Graham, and uh, it's rough again. So I, I think you're not really looking to get – nearly anything out of the Seahawks tight end position. Those are waiver wire pickups. Yeah, Ed Dixon may pop off the wire. He does have the um the skills much like big Very occasional DFS play. Or if you're in a yeah. really deep league, you know, Scott Fishball, maybe somebody takes a flyer on an Ed Dixon or a Nick Vanette. But if you want to lose some money on a Sunday playing DFS <laughs> <laughs> Put Ed Dixon in your lineup at your tight end you spot. There you go yeah. right there. That's the best way to break that one down. Interesting now. You like Baldwin or Tyreek Hill? I'm a Doug Baldwin guy. Okay. I got questions about Pat Mahomes only because I should have questions about Pat Mahomes. He's Still a big 12 he quarterback. Yep. He's just coming in that everybody is in love with, and I really do trust Andy Reid to get the most out of him. But I'm taking Russell Wilson over Pat Mahomes 99 times out of 100. So – that's going to lead me to be with Baldwin, especially considering the dynamic we just talked about. I think Tyreek Hill could be as explosive as he's been in the past, but he's not going to lead the team in targets. That's Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. He's got a better number two option right now across from him in Sammy Watkins than he's had at times. And Chris Conley could be you know, a third wide receiver there, not stealing targets, but I don't see Tyreek Hill's targets going up from the 106 that he saw last year. I agree with you on that. Obviously, you know, the thing is the big the big arm, um, big quarterback who wouldn't throw the football down the field. What better you guy really to have? Think that they're gonna Tyree be an air it out kind of team though, with nope. Kareem Hunt there? They've never been that kind of team. Andy Reid does not coach that kind of teams. Now, he's had players like Deshaun Jackson who make yeah. these big plays and have fantasy value like that. And I think Tyreek Hill can give you a little bit more than what Jackson gave you in his prime, but I can see that being more the case. I like the Watkins addition too. But let's get, we'll get to the Chiefs offense a little bit later on. Yeah, yeah. Next team up on the list is the Buffalo Bills. Um, yeah. And it's interesting right here. Um, this is rough. This is rough. Because, obviously, you got the Shady McCoy situation that you got to deal with and unpack when you handle this. Uh, right now, fantasy owners aren't touching him. I do not believe that anything happened between him and this woman. I believe this woman orchestrated this situation on her own. Um, that's my true, honest belief on that. But I still worry about the NFL coming in and, over, and turning over every rock and getting, something, and getting McCoy on something less. He's a player I wouldn't touch right now. That's where I'm at. Where are you at on McCoy? And then we'll get into the O-line. Um, I already had concerns about McCoy because of the offensive line. And now this has me saying, like, I just can't even get anywhere near it. You know, mm-hmm. I almost want – I'm always going to be looking at Chris Ivory more than I'm going to be looking at LaShawn McCoy as far as value is concerned um, because McCoy could be missing time. Now, the offensive line is rough. This is one of the worst ones in the league. They lost three offensive linemen. Um, in the offseason to the retirement, they traded Cordy Glenn 
Deion Dawkins is going to step in at left tackle. You have John Miller there, uh, Russell Bodine at center, who graded out pretty terribly last year in Cincinnati. Vlad Dukas and Jordan Mills across the board. Ooh, uh, Vlad's two, still hanging on, huh? Yes. So that's a retread of a right guard right there in Vlad Dukas. They drafted Wyatt Teller in the fifth round this year, but that's going to be a rookie in a late-round draft pick. Maybe he provides some depth. Uh, but talked with Ryan Talbot, beat writer for the Buffalo Bills just last week. And as as down on the offensive line as Brian Costello was in New York, Ryan Talbot was even more so about the offensive line in Buffalo. It's a huge question mark. And mm-hmm. it has me fading almost everybody in that offense. Even Kevin Benjamin? It's going to be a very low-volume passing attack, so it's going to depend where you think you can get him. But that this is going to be a team will be in the bottom three. Bottom five for sure, but probably bottom attempts. three in pass attempts. So in that he sense, he's it, not like, even... lead me, it leads you back to McCoy, but then you're scared of the off-field situation, and you're scared of the offensive line. I think LaShawn McCoy could see a similar – say, forget the off-field stuff for a second – a similar number of touches, but even less efficient than last year. Uh, that that could also be the case with the efficiency um, of LaShawn McCoy, and I fully do expect that to be the case, even if he um, you know, comes out of this thing clear uh, altogether. Crazy um, scenario how that stuff broke out. And, uh, look, forget whether he's involved or not. I, I certainly can't assume him to be without hearing any speck of evidence. But it has sparked some conversation, as you've seen it on other shows and even a little bit here on this network, where the NFL has tried to do whatever they can and a committee and a policy and all this kind of stuff. But now what they're finding is that if the American justice system can't properly adjudicate or find out what is going on in these domestic violence cases, how are you going to do it? You're exactly. a sports league. Not to mention the fact that in some of the more recent cases, even as far back as Ezekiel Elliott last year, there has all in all of these cases, there has been rumors of I was doing it to get back at him. Now, not reported. Uh, sometime yesterday evening, a report came out that the young lady is no longer certain that LaShawn McCoy was the person who set this up. Yeah, so that so, little nugget is flying under the radar right now. Uh, it probably hit the news cycle, I guess, sometime tomorrow morning as we start to we can get past the World Cup. But yes, that's within the reports right now. So you're you're right. You're trying to adjudicate a situation where now it's so many different moving pieces involved. Yeah, it's just look. The NFL does have a lot of resources and a lot of connections, but it almost seems as if they're trying to do what the courts can't. I think it's a difficult position. I actually don't – I don't – I'm not beating up the league about it because I think they're trying to do the right thing and they want to make sure that their players are seen as being respectful, good citizens, and the like. But they are intervening in situations where the court system is, in some instances, said, we're out. No charges. We're done. So then Nothing you're suspending to see guys – so you're suspending guys for a perceived incident and – I'm not even going to name a specific one because we can just get down a wormhole with it. But it does put these guys in a position where, like, the court just said there's nothing to it. And you're suspending me six games. You're making me look like I'm guilty when I didn't do anything. And then when the NFL take you, when you decide to go ahead and take it to the mattresses, then the NFL cries foul. You see what I mean? Now, yeah, like you know, why? Yeah, just be a good uh, NFL player and protect the shield and take the and eat and the six the, games. It's like I didn't do anything. Yeah, it's not. It's not about the six games. It's about my good name at this point. Right. So I look. I, I could argue it both ways. I, I I don't beat up the league for it. I just think they're in over their head. Yeah, I, that, you 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 nailed it there. And over their head, I agree with you with that one hundred percent right there. Uh, Mike blew it. Uh, good stuff right there, Mike. Yeah. You know, um. It's hard. No, so, it's a hard no, thing that it's like it's not. We, tr- you and I, talk about it, and I think we can have a really good conversation about it. It's hard. I, I get what the league is trying to do, but it, it's it, you know, and they're trying to protect the PR image, which takes beatings every which way. When you're at the top, people are going to take shots, but I, I don't know how they could. It doesn't matter how many lawyers they hire. I don't know how they could possibly sort all this out effectively. You know, the Greg, no, Har- the one I will mention specifically is the Greg Hardy one. 
Yeah. The girl, the, the, there was obviously a payment and the witness disappeared and you see all the 911 calls and all that stuff and it's terrible. And then they suspend him 10 games and then it's down to four. That's the biggest problem I have with all of it. Yeah. Every time an incident comes up, there's a referendum on what the policy is. So Jameis should the, be six, but he's only three. I don't yeah, because Jameis was going to take him to the mattress and they was like, we don't want to do that again. Yeah. So we'll give you three. You just don't admit to guilt. Right. Amazing how, how how that plays out. The NFL essentially in that Jameis Winston case, they negotiated against their own rule. Yeah. And they negotiated <laughs> against what the woman's, you know, what the cops thought to be credible testimony. It's a crazy thing to talk about. But. Fantasy football frenzy, FNTSY Radio. When we come back, the Minnesota Vikings, they were a game away from the Super Bowl last year. The offensive line, we'll discuss it right now when we come back on the frenzy. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. One day I want to be so fresh and so clean, like my man Sean Engel holding us down right down there on the fourth floor. <coughs> he's crushing it with music today, man. In he the is. fantasy pit of misery. You know, he's getting it done. So shout out to the kid, Sean Engel. I'm going to a concert this week, and he is playing music in advance of the concert. So Nice job. Yeah. I'm going to see Dave Matthews on on uh, Wednesday at uh, in New Jersey. PNC Arts Bank Center, whatever. PNC Bank Arts Center. Yeah. So it's a soccer mom dream. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, Kevin Walsh is on with me, and I was saying that people are taking shots at me about going to see Dave Matthews. And I was like, it's just a really mellow concert. I've seen him a whole bunch of times. I like doing it. It's not my, it's one of my favorite bands, which I'll admit to, but like, I'm a, you know, he was like, Dave Matthews and I are like almost the same age. It's like, you know, we're from, he's a little older than me, but like it was a band of the '90s, and that's where like, my formative every, years of music happened. They, it, it, it reminds you of good times. Absolutely, it's what it does. I actually really want to go see the Foo Fighters in Madison Square Garden uh, tomorrow or Tuesday, but I think two concerts in one week for uh, the dad of two young kids is not in the cards. No, no. <laughs> I was going to say uh, you're going to really need a hall. You're going to need back-to-back hall passes. Nah, good luck with that I, one. I said to Kevin, I was. It's all life is all a negotiation. I don't feel good about my stance on the two concerts. I no. negotiated one. Uh, I don't think two is going to make it happen. Leverage will be a problem in that one. Um, yeah. Minnesota Vikings game away yeah. from the Super Bowl last year. Dalvin yeah. Cook was the NFL's lead in Russia when he got hurt. They bring in Kirk Cousins. They get Cook back. Let's start with the running game as we break down this old line. People are going to Dalvin Cook at the end of the first round. If he pops off a couple big runs in the free in the preseason, he may move up into that eight nine hole in the first round. People are excited because of what they saw from Cook uh, last year. You get reports out of camp that he is working his way back to health. Should be fully ready to go a couple of weeks when training camp starts. The needle is looking up, but then I look at this offensive line ranking and it's one of the worst in the NFL. Yeah, and aren't you also concerned about his his ability to come back from the injury? It's not all like you don't just come back from an ACL, pop in eleven months after the surgery happened, and everything's back to normal. I have real concerns about that, don't you? I just think he's such a dynamic talent, and when I'm hearing that he he's is. healthier, I, I get that. And when he's healthy, of course. Well, isn't isn't the rub that these ACL injuries are quicker to recover from now? Yes, but a running back with that amount of wear and tear on it, I just have real concerns that, look, Tony Sincati used to say this to me all the time. I'm not trying to be the best team week one. I'm trying to be the best team in weeks 13, 14, 15, 16. In that, in that regard, I'll have Dalvin Cook because I think he'll be back. But I'm just saying at the beginning of the year, you need to be mindful that 
maybe he's not going to touch the ball 20 times and be as effective. Like that would be that would be a little surprising to me. He did tear his ACL. Was it week five, four, five, week yeah, four, so, or five, something like yeah. that. Um, so I just wonder if he's a hundred percent. You're right. They come back quicker than they ever have, but to be full speed, it's usually like a 12, 12 to 15 month kind of thing. But to your point about the offensive line, I'm not as down on it as uh, pro football focus is. Obviously, they signed Riley Reif last offseason. They got Pat Elfline there. He got hurt during the year. They signed Mike Remmers uh, last year as well. So while the offensive line was miserable two seasons ago, got better last year. They power ranking to, to as far as run blocking close on short yardage situations it was a little better it was in the top 10 in the league and second level yardage was about middle range so i think the grading system is okay from a pass protection standpoint they were actually pretty good they only gave up 27 sacks last year um i would think that Kirk cousins could at least mimic what case keenum did last year so uh, i'm not as down on it and, and it it doesn't jump out to me as a concern it did going into last year and certainly the year before <clears throat> but honestly i think it's better than where they've been the last couple of seasons and while it's not an elite offensive line i don't think it'll hold back this offense from being potentially really good with the weapons that they have well that's good to hear because a lot of people in on this minnesota viking offense outside of dalvin cook obviously you got the studs and stefan Minneapolis Miracle Diggs and Adam Thielen. Um, Thielen caught 91 balls last year. Thielen was amazing. Just, Thielen I think was he goes amazing right last back year. to it. How you He's feel my about number Kyle, one wide receiver in Scott Fishbowl. How you feel about Kyle Rudolph? Um, I think he just. I think you know what you. We already know what we're going to get. Right. This can't be a breakout season. Shouldn't be a regression. I think we already know what we're going to get out of Kyle Rudolph. People love calling him the red zone reindeer, but realistically. He has his role in that offense, and it could be it should be right about where it was. He's a tight end one, and, and, and I think uh, Kirk Cousins definitely keeps him at that. Yeah, which yeah. wide receiver do you, do you, you think? Want to do you in? think he has a huge uptick because of Cousins? No, I, would I think, don't. Yeah, no, I just I think he's right about where he was. He caught fifty-seven balls last year, five hundred thirty-two yards, eight touchdowns. He is those what touchdowns he is. really, yeah. Those touchdowns bumped up where he ended up from a points total perspective. Now you could make the argument: all oh, the whole offense is going to be better because Cousins is there, and rising tide lifts all boats, and they're going to be around the red zone even more. So maybe he sees ten touchdowns. That's all well and good, but as you and I know, the tight end position is a mess every year. You got four guys, maybe five, that you can really count on: Kelsey, Gronk, Ertz, Walker. That's about it. Between Evan Ingram and uh, Eric Lebron, not Luke a lot Wilson. of difference. Not a lot of difference. You're right. It, it just if you don't pay up to get one of those elite options, you might as well just see where you fall at on draft day and you 100%. try to play the game and try to play the game off the waiver wire when it comes to your, your tight end. Which wide receiver you like best? Because they're going neck and neck in drafts. What Thielen and Diggs? Yeah, uh, I'm going Thielen. I need the guy with the ball in his hands more. I love Stephon Diggs as a talent. I've said that for years. But from a fantasy standpoint, uh, there's a pretty wide margin in a pretty wide gap in the number of catches they saw. And I think it probably remains that way. And, and I'm not that's not discrediting Diggs at all. <laughs> He's obviously crazy talented and was underrated from the second he got in the league. But I think Thielen has seen the ball so much. The only caveat is that maybe Cousins favors Diggs more as this happens. But I don't see it that way. I think Thielen is the guy that they need to get the first downs. He's got great hands, and and they're going to utilize that. Both extremely talented wide receivers. They it's have a great receiving between the two That's great. I mean, those two are great. Here's the thing about it also. They match up with anybody. Diggs has an Antonio Brown-type skill set, but it's hidden because Thielen is playing so well. I don't. I I actually think that's really reasonable. Some people would say it's too lofty, but yeah. Stephon Diggs is super talented, and you can't tell me about where he's drafted because Antonio Brown was drafted after him in their respective mm-hmm. drafts. Yeah, Brown. Uh, uh, Brown was a legend in high school, but um, yeah. couldn't couldn't get it together. Uh, um, with the yeah, books. he's got a crazy story about how he made it. You know, yeah. he was like basically kicked out of his house by the time he was sixteen. 
uh, scholarship offers were reduced, and he ends up at Central Michigan, and uh, the rest is history. He put up big numbers, but he went to a smaller school, so he slid in the drafts. Uh, here he is. His rookie season in Pittsburgh wasn't even nothing, and but then he exploded. Best receiver well, thing, football. And, yeah, um, it was uh, this, this thing with the schooling down in Miami. It was kind of a situation where, I mean, everybody in my in Miami knew how good he was. They just couldn't figure out how to piece it together for him to take on, you know, a University of Miami or Florida State yeah. or one of the big D1 schools. Yeah, it probably helped him that he was off the radar for those years and was not a celebrity, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He kind of had to work his way back. But that, man, that guy's Instagram account is a hell of a follow. Drama all the time. All the time. All the time. All the time. Did you see where he wrote to the to – the, uh, I think one of – was that one of his kids' mothers? Yes. No, it was yeah. one of his it, kids' it, mothers. It was yeah. – honestly, I was so confused. I had to read through the comments to understand what happened. Yeah. It had to be like – I had to have somebody like sort of translate it to me because it was so stream of consciousness and talking about – other people and other kids, and I didn't know whose kid was who in the whole rant that he had. I was totally confused. Yeah, um, AB eighty four. Yeah, dude, dude, not sh- not short on drama. Great player, not short on drama. Off the field, on the field, the whole thing. The target level um, for AB should be there, and that's going to be a good thing for him. Arizona Cardinals come up next. Oof. Um, a lot, a lot going on here. A lot yeah. going on here. Yeah, 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 yeah. They currently uh, we have to... the longest odds in the entire NFL to make the playoffs, plus eight hundred. What What's the deal with all? Let's Let's let, Let's start with the backfield with David Johnson, mm-hmm. who is going at the top five pick. Sure. Is that worth? Is he worth it with the volume, or is the O line going to slow him down this year? You know how much money David Johnson's going to make this year in guaranteed money? Yeah, oh, it's low. It's really low because he hasn't signed that deal yet. Six hundred eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They're trying to work on that long term deal. That's that's one deal that actually might get done. You know, the franchise deadline is tomorrow. You yeah. got four guys: Lamarcus Joyner, Le'Veon Bell, Demarcus Lawrence, and Ziggy Ansah. The word came out this morning: the last two are not happening. Lawrence and Ansah are just playing on their franchise tag. Yeah. Joyner, Joyner, it's unlikely that they give him any kind of an extension because it'd be very expensive. Um, at the safety position, they're just going to lock him in at money and figure out. They're trying to win the Super Bowl this one year, right? They'll figure it all out after it happens. They need Aaron Donald back before they pay LaMarcus Joyner. And then Bell, Le'Veon Bell is actually, there's a chance there. I'd say it still doesn't happen, but there's a chance. Anyway, I digress. As far as that's concerned, David Johnson, um, yeah, it's a concern. Look, this team, they got rid of the dynamic offensive play caller that was their head coach and now they have a defensive coach a younger defensive coach in there uh david johnson missed 15 and a half games last year i know all too well how many games he missed from owning him in a couple of leagues um the offensive line they bring in justin Pugh, former new york giant he's a very good right guard i think that's a significant upgrade mike ayupati is a guy that they basically Signed as a free agent from San Francisco. He's been injured. They cut him, brought him back. So he's a veteran offensive lineman that if he can recapture his old ways, they have two unbelievable guards. A.Q. Shipley is just kind of another center. Andre Smith, a retread of a right tackle. And then D.J. Humphreys, the former first-round pick at left tackle. So talent-wise, I think it's okay. But... Lately, the play from a few of these guys has not been there. So can they get it all together and come together as a unit? I think that's what's interesting when I'm trying to do this article and do these rankings. Here's the one thing I'll say, and it's impossible to answer, but I get the sense that very oftentimes with offensive lines, it is not necessarily about the talent level. Like if you have a less talented offensive line, but say they play – 32 or 48 games together for the most part, those guys end up being really good, cohesive offensive line units. The, I, I always think of the Giants' offensive lines from their championship seasons. No guys on that offensive line are going to the Hall of Fame. But between Dave Deal and Kareem McKenzie, or Chris Nee could, but that unit of five guys played a long time together and ended up being really good. I know it's a little bit of a throwback of the names I'm mentioning, but 
I think it's important when you're discussing this because if these guys can gel, some of these teams can gel, they might be better than their talent suggests. I agree with you on that, especially when you come to the, a cohesive unit playing together for a while. It's like my Golden State Warriors, strength in numbers. That, yeah. that's, the, that's the mantra right there, strength you know, in the numbers. Cow- the Cowboys had it great two years ago when that unit was together for a while. Plus, you have like three all-pro guys on there at the same time. That's the best of both worlds. But uh, as far as this offensive line having me extremely concerned about David Johnson, no. He's a first-round pick every time. But I did bump him behind Alvin Kamara, for example. Can you trust anything in the passing game not in Lame Life, Fitzgerald? Ricky Seals, Christian no. Kirk. Mm-mm. Ricky Seals is just one of those tight ends we talked about. Like, is there a lot of difference between Jared Cook and Ricky Seals-Jones? Probably not, but I'm not I'm not looking at Ricky Seals-Jones unless I have to in, in, a, in a super deep league like Scott Fishbowl. Yeah. Um, Seals-Jones. He was a DFS a guy last year. A couple of nice DFS performances for you. That's that's about what he is will be this year, too. Do they wait till Bradford get hurt to go to the rookie quarterback, or do they or do they – or do they get the rookie quarterback the ball out the gate? Um, I think Bradford's going to be in there to start it. I do think there's an opportunity for Rosen to blow their doors off, and I think he actually has the talent to do it. But um, I don't think I, – I do think they're going to start it off with Bradford. I'm, take a look at their schedule now. We were just talking about this last show as well. So um, they start out – at Wash, no, they start out home against Washington. Then they go to the Rams. Then they got the Bears and the Seahawks. Then at Niners, at Minnesota. So in that first six, three tough games, three winnable games. Then it's Denver, San Francisco, and a bye week. I don't think it's going to be so bad before week nine that they have to go to the rookie. They could, even though they're not looked upon as a great roster. I think they could be three and five or four and four. I, would you make the switch then on the road to Kansas City when they got to play the Chargers, the Packers, Atlanta, and Seattle on the road in the back half of the season? I don't know that you want to do that to Rosen. But the problem, the problem, the problem is not so much it, Sam Bradford not going to be healthy by week three. That's the problem. That is the problem, and it's That's why, like, when we're looking at like the Scott Fishbowl situation where we're trying to pick one. I can't draft Sam Bradford unless I have Josh Rosen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Then you're going to carry four quarterbacks. And I would bet a lot of money that Sam Bradford won't play 10 games. I would bet the house. Yeah. With everybody on the inside of it, too. Why would I suspect games. that he would stay healthy? It's never been done before, so uh, definitely don't don't get that uh, with with Sam Bradford. So I'm not really tripping off that. Hey, we're getting ready to start the second hour, Mike. I was wondering, uh, would you have a day this week to come in studio and do some of these on the frenzy during the week? I think I should be able to do it. We'll figure out a day, maybe uh, a little bit later in the week, but I should be able to figure that out. Maybe you come down before the concert. Oh, the concert's in Jersey, though, right? Yeah, yeah, so you don't. Yeah, too, okay. too, too jammed up on Wednesday, so I can't do it. But Thursday or Friday might be looking pretty good, but we'll see. Maybe even Tuesday. Well, Tuesday, then you could sneak over to Madison Square Garden after what you're seeing. Now we're skills. talking, Corey. <laughs> see? I need somebody with your kind of. Yeah. What, what, is the, what is the old free, Seinfeld line? Free spirit. I, I'm oh. so happy I have access to your perverted mind to get me <laughs> to that concert on Tuesday night. <laughs> there you go right there. I just happened to be in the city. What do you know? Perfect. Fantasy football frenzy. FNCS wide radio. I got to go to the Radi- concert. I had to work. Yeah, what are you talking about? Radio on um, Fantasy Sports Radio. Hour one in the books. Come back hour two. Continue to break down some of these offensive line. Some of the top units. Discuss them. It is the frenzy on FNTS wide weekend edition.